The reading is taken from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 to the end of the book. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still not did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so he could, they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. Thank you that he sends upon us your Holy Spirit. And we pray that your Spirit will come to each of us May he guide me and my words, and may we hear what you want us to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Luke 24 passage is uh, perhaps not the most normal mission passage that uh, one would preach on. I chose it because... It's uh, Luke's Gospel in our lectionary this year. If you're a good Anglican, probably you're not all good Anglicans, but if you are, we're following Luke's Gospel on a Sunday morning uh, for the Gospel readings. And uh, it's in some ways, it's a great contrast to Matthew's Gospel. Very often when you uh, think of mission, you think of the great commission at the end of Matthew's gospel, uh, Jesus on the mountain, his disciples around him and telling them to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and, and so on. This is the, uh, the, the passage in Luke that's the parallel to that or the equivalent of that, but it is very different. It's uh, set, as uh, you can see if you keep your Bibles open, it's set after the uh, incident when Jesus meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, I think, 
Um, but it may not have been Mrs. Cleopas, it may have been another man. Uh, and they uh, go on this journey with Jesus, uh, which is not just a, a, a physical journey, but also a spiritual journey. And uh, Jesus reveals himself to them. And what he says uh, is that uh, he, what they say about him was that their hearts were burning within them as he expounded the scriptures. So they run back to Jerusalem, tell the disciples, and the disciples are meeting in the room uh, over supper. And then as they're meeting, Jesus appears to them. And that's where we take up the story in verse uh, 36. They were talking about uh, Jesus appearing after uh, uh, to uh, Simon and to the two on the road. And so he appears and he says, peace uh, be with them, be with you. And this version of uh, the Great Commission is, is, as I say, very different from Matthew. And it bears, I think, just looking at the differences between those two Gospels. Matthew's is a very Jewish Gospel. You'll always find uh, quotes from the Old Testament. You'll, uh, you'll see that Matthew, in, uh, Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, commands his disciples to go out. As you go, make disciples. His, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus just states it. This is what's going to happen. Matthew has many more encounters, even though he's a Jewish gospel, many more encounters with Gentiles, beginning with the Magi at the beginning of the gospel, then the Canaanite woman uh, and uh, the centurion and various other encounters. And in Luke, Jesus only leaves uh, Jewish territory only leaves Israel once to go uh, to Gentile territory when uh, he meets with the Gerizim demoniac in chapter 8, verse 26. Luke likes geography, and he's very ordered. So the first bit of his gospel is in Galilee. The second, the middle bit of his gospel is as Jesus is going from Galilee to Jerusalem. In 951, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem and turns and looks towards the suffering. And then uh, he's actually in Jerusalem from chapter 19, verse 41, to the end of the gospel. If you remember that Luke also wrote uh, the Acts of the Apostles, and similarly, there's a geographical uh, note to the Acts of the Apostles. Acts 1, verse 8, uh, you shall receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, these concentric circles. So the book of Acts is the story of the gospel going out in these different areas. The resurrection appearances in uh, Luke are entirely in and around Jerusalem, on the road to Emmaus and in Jerusalem itself, and not in Galilee. And finally, Luke, as a doctor, records more stories of healing, of personal encounters and transformed lives than the other Gospels. So let's see what we can learn about uh, mission from Luke's perspective. Now, this may sound uh, a bit like a lecture, and that's not what I'm here to do. You're not in theological college, and I'm certainly not a theologian or even a missiologist. So let's not think of it as a lecture. Let's uh, remember that there are things we can learn, but let's imagine ourselves in that room. We're in that room with the disciples. Actually, it says here that they were not just the 11, but the 11 and uh, their companions are gathered here. So we can be with the 11 in this room, uh, having supper, and we can share probably in some of their emotions. 
we can allow ourselves to understand what they've been through. The trauma, the stress, watching Jesus die. Now huddled a bit, afraid of the Jews, uh, St. John's Gospel says. And, and when Jesus ap appeared, they were frightened. They didn't know what it meant, and they doubted. And I think probably, at least at some times in our lives, we can identify with some of those emotions. Being frightened, not knowing what lies ahead, being stressed, having fear of the future, having fear of other people, of circumstances. There's uncertainty in our lives. And so let's be there with them, sitting in that room. You see, Jesus' response to their fear, first of all, was to give the greeting, peace be with you, and not just saying, how are you doing? But it was peace. I give you peace. Jesus imparted his peace. But then he was intensely practical. It's almost comical, isn't it? And I noticed that uh, as it was being read to us. Um, he shows them his hands and his side. He says, it really is me. Look, here it is. It's me. And when he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said, got any food? <laughs> That's great, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> you know, they were kind of all, all confused. Yes, it is Jesus. What, what about his hands and his feet? Yes, he's really risen. I want something to eat, he says. Give me some fish. And so he kind of calms them all down. A little joke. Let's have some food. Let's eat together. Let's relax. Yes, it really is me, and I can eat uh, here with you. So I think he wants to say that to us, whatever we're going through, as we're in the room with him, he says, peace, it's okay, it's really me, you can relax with me. And then he gives them these, what I want to look at, seven principles about mission. How we should live, how they should live, what they were going to do from this moment onwards. And the first thing he mentions as he looks into what their mission is going to be is he mentions the scriptures. And he mentions them in verse 44. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So scripture is central to any mission. And it's not just words on a page. These are the living words of the living God. Words that burn our hearts as they did the disciples on the road. Verse 32. All scripture makes sense in Jesus, in the Messiah. And scripture is about the Messiah and scripture is about mission. You see, we're so used to having the Bible in endless different uh, English versions. I wonder if there's anyone here, just by chance, if there's anyone here who doesn't have the Bible in their own native language. One. That's, well, you're in actually a majority. <laughs> um, you see, there are 6,912 languages in the world. 451 translations 
of the whole Bible into 451 different languages and 2,479 translations of part of the Bible. That means there are 4,421 languages without one book of the Bible in their own native tongue. You can read this on the Bible Society website. It's where I got it from. Currently, there are 550 projects of translating the Bible throughout the world that will reach with part of the Bible to 4 billion people more in their native language. It's quite a thought, isn't it? From the very beginning, mission partners in South America have been involved in Bible translation. And you have a very intimate and a wonderful link with Tim Curtis translating the Bible into the Enthlet language of the uh, Enthlet Indians in uh, Paraguay, in the Chaco. And Tim has been involved for about 25 years uh, as a shining example of real dedication with his team, translating and retranslating and getting the phrases right uh, of the Bible. But once it is translated, of course, it needs uh, to be taught. It needs to be expounded, as Jesus expounded the uh, Bible to his disciples. We need pastors who are trained and teachers who can teach, uh, including bringing education in theology up to university level. That's one of the aims that we have in South America with our theological education, to bring the level of training of our pastors up to, the, uh, up to uh, university level so that they can meet the new uh, educated classes in South America. It's a big task. It takes place in the Chaco with the, uh, with the indigenous Indians, but it also takes place in the cities as well. The disciples were so privileged to be in that room and to listen to Jesus explaining the scriptures. But then, so are we. Remember, we're in that room with him. We can hear his words. We can read his words. We can read commentaries. We can uh, listen to uh, sermons from the pulpit or uh, on podcasts and so on. We are incredibly privileged. We have so many resources. Let's take advantage of those resources to be able to reach out and help others as well. So mission in Luke, and Jesus' mission as he explains it to the disciples is about scripture. And that was my longest point, so, and I do have only seven, so don't worry about it. We're on to number two. Scripture is central. Secondly, the message is about the death and resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. That's the heart of mission. And that's the message that has power to change people. We know that. The vast majority of us are here because that message has impacted our lives. We've been singing about it, how Jesus' death can change my life, wash me clean, and give me new life and new purpose. We discover the reality of Jesus uh, for us today. And we rejoice as we see other people coming into that new reality. And as we are in the room with Jesus, he's no distant figure up there on a cross. He's actually here with us, his living, risen presence, an intimate part of our lives. And his story is constantly intersecting with our story. 
His life is part of our life. As we read about his life, so we see how his life intersects and challenges our life. This is the friend who dies on the cross for my sin, who rises again to give me life. This is the only message that we have that can change lives, and it is changing lives all over the world, particularly in South America. It can change lives, it does change lives, and we have the ability to push that message out to reach more lives. It's about scripture, it's about the death and resurrection of Jesus, and what they then must do, these uh, humans, is to respond by repentance and receive forgiveness and cleansing, verse 47. The message must be proclaimed, in South America, as here, many messages um, from, there are very many messages from the church. The Pentecostals are, tend to be a bit simplistic in South America um, and tend to base their message on come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. At least if they're not solved now, they will be when you die. Uh, some Roman Catholic teaching uh, tends to get over political in South America and only emphasizes social change and liberation theology. Somehow, I think it's what we're offering as the Anglican Church is something in the middle, something uh, as embracing, yes, we need to change society, but also embracing the, the miraculous uh, Pentecostal dimension of uh, the what Jesus can do but in the power of the Spirit. The Anglican Church has the possibility of affirming both extremes and offering transformed lives that then affect the society. So the message is repentance and forgiveness. Fourthly, the message is intended, verse 47 again, intended for all nations. And that's all peoples all tribes, every people group in the world. It includes the marginalized. It includes the indigenous peoples who've been pushed further and further out into the most inhospitable lands in northern Argentina and Paraguay and other countries. And as we're in the room with Jesus, we take on that responsibility for reaching all nations to take the gospel to all people. Fifthly, the disciples are witnesses, Jesus says. You're witnesses of this. And we in the room with Jesus are witnesses. And witnesses see something, experience something, and tell others about that. Roland Allen, one of the great mission theologians, of uh, the early 20th century says this, Luke speaks not of people who strove to obey the last orders of a beloved master, but of people who receiving a spirit were driven by that spirit to act in accordance with the nature of that spirit. It's a different emphasis. Your witnesses, you've experienced it. You can know the power of the spirit and the spirit will lead you out. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. But it's still hard, isn't it? 
Still hard to witness to Jesus. Just on Friday, we took our granddaughter, age two, on a choo-choo train to Brighton. We went, had a little day out, and we were walking through Brighton, and there was a very brave young man with a team around him preaching the gospel in the freezing streets of Brighton. And he was giving his testimony. And I must confess, it was, it was a, a riveting testimony about his past life, which sounded pretty attractive in some ways. <laughs> but uh, that's the danger of going into too much detail of your past life. But I thought, here's somebody who's responding to the p impulse of the Spirit to witness to what a difference Jesus has made. Now, and not a lot of people uh, stood around to listen to him. If you do that in South America and the, war, the country is warm and people are more relaxed, that's uh, a, a lot different. I actually learned in South America how to do the sketchboard uh, evangelism. Absolutely terrified me. I hated doing it, uh, but I did it because I felt that that was something that would reach people, both in South America and in Spain. Spain, very difficult, but uh, still worth trying to, to reach people in every different way. You are witnesses. We're called to give testimony to the faith that is in us. That's the fifth point. The sixth thing that Jesus says in Luke about mission is the only way to do mission is by the power of the Spirit. Behold, I'm sending you the promise of my Father, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You can't do it in your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit to flood you and fill you. Don't you love the story of um, uh, Moody, the great evangelist, who said, when, when somebody said to him, Mr. Moody, are you filled with the Spirit? He said, yes, but I leak. I love that. Because <laughs> that's where I am. I need to be filled again and again uh, with the Holy Spirit. And as we read of the accounts of Luke's, uh, Luke's account of the Acts of the Apostles, we see the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the early church. And what we see is the need for all of us to receive afresh uh, the Holy Spirit. So as you pray for mission partners, as you pray for yourselves, as you work yourselves, uh, pray for that anointing uh, of the Holy Spirit because we all leak and we all need uh, anointing from on high, power from on high to be witnesses. For me, it's a, an incredible privilege to be in this job, to be in a job where we see people like Laura going out to South America and doing things that they never thought they could do, coming back and saying, it was fantastic, or it was really hard, but I knew God was there. It's uh, very humbling to see mission partners like Tim or like the testers whom you're also supporting uh, in, in Peru just getting on with the work in very difficult circumstances, in very poor churches with very few resources and yet seeing God's power uh, at work. It's an incredible privilege to be doing this job uh, full time and to have been doing it uh, for some years in different ways. And what Jesus does with his disciples and he does with us in that room is he says, you're all part 
of this enterprise. You're all witnesses. You all uh, can know the scripture. You all can know the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. You can know the message of repentance and forgiveness. You can know uh, how to reach out to all nations. You can be my witnesses. You can be filled uh, with the Spirit. So let's, uh, what I'm offering to you tonight, what I'm hoping that you will join us with, is uh, learning more about what you're supporting already, or if you're interested more in South America, there's a lot of literature out there. This is our latest SAMS or uh, South American magazine from CMS. There's also some prayer diaries. If you want to say, yes, God's calling me to pray particularly for mission partners in South America, you can do that. There's also a Latin link table that uh, Laura has brought. And so you can get their literature and their prayer diaries as well. What I'd really love is that, that each of us knows what God is calling us to do. As we sit in that upper room with him, as we sit with the disciples, what's he calling you to do in response to the call to be witnesses throughout the world? Maybe he's calling you uh, to give. Maybe he's calling you to pray for one particular person. Maybe he's calling you to come to our celebration, day 50, which is just uh, one thing that you will read about on, on this sheet, which is here in Oxford as we celebrate uh, the new community of uh, of mission disciples that uh, is CMS and SAMS together. My prayer is that whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will pinpoint for you what he's asking you to do uh, as a result of this week, as you learn more, as you pray more, as you have fun, as you party, and as you part or pay or whatever. <laughs> Let's uh, have a moment of silence as we... Uh, Give ourselves to God afresh for this uh, call that he puts on our lives. Father God, it's such an incredible privilege to be part of what you're doing throughout your world. Thank you for the hundreds of ministries that are represented by people here. The different things that people are doing, the different connections they have throughout the world. Thank you for the work of CMS, for the work in South America. Thank you for the work of Latin Link. Thank you for your witnesses who've been faithful to your call throughout the ages. And thank you for the privilege of being part of your band of disciples. Please send us. Please anoint us. Please renew us so that we can serve you as you want. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.